when he left, he was a kahil. He was an extremely old man. Um, he disappears. Uh, the people, they lose Salah. They don't know what's going on. Suddenly, somebody appears to the people. And he tells them his big secret. He says to them, I am Salah. My dear sister Tiffany. Good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me back today. And thank you for joining me. So today we're going to speak about the mysterious case of the Prophet Saleh. Okay. The Prophet Saleh. Uh, is a prophet whose name appears uh, in Islam, but it also appears in Christianity and Judaism. There is a trace uh, for this prophet. His name does appear. And um, he was one of the 124,000 prophets and messengers. He was one of the 313 messengers that were sent to a people. And it is also known that he is a messenger that was sent to the Arabs. Okay. Okay. And uh, basically the Prophet Saleh uh, went to his people and he called them uh, towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he warned them also, um, you know, of a punishment that would befall uh, if they continued to do their evil ways. Uh, the people at the time, they didn't believe in the Prophet Saleh. And they asked in order that they believe that he perform a miracle for them. Okay. Uh, they were a people that lived around uh, big stones. Um, and they used to carve in the stones uh, different uh, pictures and, 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 and houses and things like this. And uh, uh, different statues. And one of the things that they used to carve a lot was the camels, uh, because camels was a part of their uh, everyday life. Uh, they considered it to be um, a kind of uh, godly or holy uh, creature, um, and they used to carve him a lot in the in the stone. Uh, they didn't worship per se the camels, but they used to uh, revere them. Okay, and. So the Prophet Saleh does exactly that. Uh, he uh, extracts out of the stone a camel which was huge in size uh, as a miracle. The camel steps out of the stone and it becomes alive. And it is a gigantic camel. And Saleh tells his people uh, that basically this is the camel of God. It was a sign for you, and you're not allowed to harm it. And you have to safeguard its sanctity. And he establishes some rules by the command of God pertaining to this camel. One of those rules was that um, on one day, the camel would drink uh, from the lake that they had or the source of water uh, that they had. Uh, but every time the camel would drink, he would finish all of the water. And for that reason, there would be one day that the camel could drink from the water and another day the people would drink. 
Okay. And the drinking of the camel uh, was, you know, he would finish up all of the water on his day, and so the people would be left with nothing to drink. So on the day that the camel drank, the people would have to drink from the milk that was produced by the camel. Okay. Okay. And then on the next day, the camel would abstain from drinking from the water in order to give a chance that the people uh, drink from the water. And so these were the rules that were set out. You can't kill the camel, slaughter the camel, or the descendants of the camel. You had to safeguard them um, because these belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, you also had to respect the, their sanctity in regards to uh, the certain days where uh, they were supposed to drink versus when the people were supposed to drink. In exchange, in exchange the camel would provide uh, sustenance uh, for the people, which was better than what they drank, which was this, this milk from the camel. So that was the warning of the Prophet Saleh, and that's what he told the people. Now, there's a couple of interesting things that end up happening with 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 Saleh and, and with his story. And that is that, uh, according to one narration, what happens is that there appears among the people a person whom is described as being blue, red, blonde. Okay? Okay. A blue, red, blonde person who um, doesn't have an origin. He's the son of fornication. He appears and he's determined that he's going to kill the camel and, and disregard the warnings of the Prophet Saleh. And so one day he decides to do that and he goes and he strikes the camel once and then he strikes it again and he manages to kill um, the camel. The descendant, the seed, of the camel ends up running away and going into hiding as a result of that. And so the people, they lose the camel and they lose the descendant of the camel as well. Wow. Okay. This results obviously in a breaking of the covenant or the oath, the commandment which uh, God had given to these people uh, not to harm the camel. And it results in the end in the punishment coming down and wiping away the people. Okay. Okay. And that's interesting. That's extremely interesting. And, and the reason why this particular narration is interesting is because the enemy of the camel is somebody who's described as blue, red, blonde. Yes. And we don't find this description appearing in the narrations of the Ahlul Bayt except when it is describing the character of the Sufyani. Yes. The Sufyani also is described as being blue, red, blonde. Yes. And the guy who kills the camel of Salah is described as being blue, red, blonde. Extremely fascinating. It is fascinating. Mm. And it's also fascinating because um, the Ahlul Bayt in another narration, they state that the, the likeness of Saleh and his camel is found in Ali ibn Abi Talib, and it's also found in the Qa'im. And we know that the Sufyani appears in the time of the Qa'im, 
and that he's the arch nemesis of the Imam al-Mahdi of the Amani, of the Qa'im, and he's described as that, and and you have the 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 uh, character who kills Salah as being described as that. And you have narrations from the Ahl al-Bayt that describe and compare Ali ibn Abi Talib to the camel itself, that he was the camel of Salah. And so here you have this example where the Prophet Muhammad is the example of uh, Salah, and Imam Ali salam is the example of the um, of the camel. And just like Salah told the people that this is God's camel, the Prophet Muhammad tells the people this is God's vicegerent, this is an imam from him, this is Ali ibn Abi Talib, this is my successor, my vicegerent. And just like they struck the camel on the head and killed him, they struck Ali ibn Abi Talib on the head and kill him. And just like the punishment comes down on uh, the people in the time of Salah, the punishment comes down on the Muslim nation and the the narration state that it's because of their transgression against Muhammad and the family of Muhammad that they lose the Quran, they lose the religion, they lose um, you know, they become like the Israelites lost in the labyrinth or or wandering around um, in the desert. And just like the the descendant of the camel ends up running away, having to go into hiding, having to, uh, it ends up, you know, escaping and being absent. You have over here, Imam al-Mahdi who's a descendant of Ali ibn Abi Talib, he also ends up going into an absence due to the oppression and the attempts of the Abbasids and the Muslim nation to kill uh, Imam al-Mahdi Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Askari and he was, was in an absence for a very long time. The camel disappears in the time of Salah, the people lose him. Over here also, he disappears and the people lose him. Wow. The parallels between the two, uh, the stories are, are really fascinating. It reminds me of uh, something that we've discussed many times uh, on this show, which is the, the study. Uh, in religious studies, people, they look at the New Testament and they look back at the Old Testament and they see that the Old Testament has many events that foreshadow the events that happened in the New Testament. It's called the study of typology. And uh, this just reminds me of that because uh, it, it's understood that these scriptures are recorded for, for that reason, as a warning for the people so that they can see the parallels in the future time. So uh, the fact that, that this event uh, was recorded and uh, it, it's a clear warning and foreshadowing for the people that this is something to look out for and it's going to come back and be fulfilled in the future. Yeah. So the people, what did they want? They wanted to usurp the rights of the camel. Uh, they wanted access to the water on the days that um, the camel was supposed to drink from, even though that was its right. And as such, the people usurped the rights of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, which was the imamate and the ruling over the Muslim nation. And so in both cases, the camel and the family of Muhammad, they're slaughtered. Okay? Now, the story doesn't end there. Um, and there's another a very important aspect um, that takes place, okay? Okay. So, before the punishment comes down, Saleh, he disappears from his people. Yeah. Okay? He goes away. And 
the people have no more access to Salah. And the narrations state that when he left, he was a kahil. He was an extremely old man. Uh, an old man that was, you know, above the age of 65. Yes. Yeah, he's, he uh, was a good-looking man. Um, he disappears. Uh, the people, they lose Salah. They don't know what's going on. Suddenly, somebody appears to the people. And when this person goes to the nation of Salah, he finds that the nation of Salah had broken down into three different groups. Okay. Okay. A group that was firm upon faith in Salah. So a group that was arguing for the sanctity of the camel and were insisting on abiding by the rules that uh, Salah had left for them, even though he was no longer there amongst them. Okay. A group that was in doubt. Okay. You know, they at first believed, but now because Salah has been gone for such a long time, they're not really sure anymore. Okay. If this, if this whole thing with God and the camel and the and the water and all this stuff, like they're not sure, is this really like a divine promise or was it magic or what it was? They're not sure. Okay, shaky faith. Shaky faith. And there was a third group which had totally disbelieved in Salah. Okay. Yeah. And they didn't, they were no longer members of the faith. Okay. So what happens is that the man, he first goes to the people of the shaky faith and he tells them his big secret. He says to them, I am Salah. Oh. Okay. I mean, how how did they react? Well, they were shocked. And they said to him, what are you talking about? You're Saleh. And they said, Saleh came to us looking in a different way than you looked. You know, so how can we believe that you are Saleh? And so they disbelieved in him. Okay. Okay. So this shaky group, they were dealing with the apparent. They were looking for physical signs. Their faith depended on that. Just like the faith of the people depended in the beginning on them seeing a miracle, their faith now depends on the, the you know, their faith in the prophethood of Saleh. Uh, and in this new individual that was claiming that he was Saleh, it depended on whether or not he physically looked like Saleh who came to them before. Okay. Then he goes to the people who disbelieved and he says to them, you know, I'm Saleh and you guys need to return back to your oath. As soon as he says this, the people who disbelieved, they began to strike him and hit him, you know, and abuse him. And they thought to themselves, my goodness, look at this Dajjal, look at this liar. Um, this guy has no place amongst us. And they reject him immediately. Okay. Then he finally goes to the believing group of people. And he says to them, hey guys, I'm Saleh. Um, I'm the prophet who came to you before. They think amongst one another and they speak amongst one another, the believing group. And then they say to this man, they say, look, we recognize that God 
can appear in whatever shape, way, or form that he wills. Okay? okay. And he can make anything happen. And so the idea itself of you being Salah, who came back to us in a new form, we cannot reject this. Okay? There's no religious basis for rejecting you or accepting you based only on your physical appearance. Okay. But tell us about the things which Salah told us about. So they test him. Okay. Okay? Yes. And he tells them, he says, uh, there is the camel, and the camel came out of the rock, and uh, you are not to harm the camel, and there is a day, a specific day, and he tells them about it that belongs to the camel to drink from, and then you guys have a day that you drink from. When he informed them of this, they accepted him, and they pledged allegiance to him, and they believed in Saleh, who now looks totally different than the old Saleh. And I think that's really important, and in there are a lot of lessons that we have to look at and examine. Okay. Because this story now is showing us that you don't believe in the vicegerent of God or the messenger of God based on the physical appearance. You can't judge him if he was ugly are unattractive like so many of the other prophets and messengers who had come before such as socrates for example or or job when he was in a state of extreme sickness you cannot base your faith on their physical appearance or condition you have to base your faith in an individual only on their claim does their claim have substance does their claim match the claims of the previous prophets and messengers. If it matches, if the substance that they come with is truth, and you know it's truth because every other prophet and messenger came with that, rather, if they came with a claim, you know, that was matching the same claim of a previous hajjah, and on top of that, they're saying that they are that previous hajjah, but they don't look like what that previous hajjah looks like that you physically saw and knew, you have to believe in them. And I think that this example is evident in the Gospels when you have Jesus who looked in a particular way before the event of the crucifixion. And then you have Jesus appearing to the disciples and to the apostles in a in many totally different ways, whether it was the gardener or the fisherman, and they don't recognize him in his appearance, but they recognize the substance of his speech. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's only when he speaks to them that they realize that that's who they're dealing with, that, that it's actually Jesus, even though they don't recognize him with their eyes. And then he becomes a proof upon them, and they're obliged to follow him. So the physical appearance is disregarded and we have here in the story of Salah and in the story of Jesus, uh, the messenger appearing to them in different forms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's. I feel like that's a very important lesson that's preserved in in the Bible, in the Quran, and uh, it, yeah, that that this is something that that can happen, and it is not something that that people can deny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you know, that's the message that. Um, 
because now we have these narrations that state that the example of Salah is in you know and is is in the Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib and also in the Qa'im. So if we're living in the time of the Qa'im, or even for those who don't believe in this Dawah yet, but they're anticipating the coming of the Qa'im or the Mahdi, they have to pay attention uh, to this fact because clearly Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, they wanted us to look into the story of Salah. And if we did, and if we understood it, and we believed in it, we would be better prepared for the events that would take place in the time of uh, the Mahdi or the Qa'im. Yeah. And I think here what's happening in our Dawah is a fulfillment of that very narration. Because the people expected that Muhammad ibn Hassan al Askari who was born 1200 years ago, that he would be the riser that they were waiting for. Yes. And you have other people who were in the da'wah of Ahmed al Hassan al Yamani pre 2007, who also believed, uh, even though it was not explicitly stated, but they believed that Ahmed al Hassan was the Qa'im or the riser of the family of Muhammad. Yes. Yeah. And so for it to say that the example of Salah is to be found in the Qa'im means that the, the, there must be somebody who would come to the people who would say to them, I am the Qa'im of the family of Muhammad, even though they were expecting that the Qa'im be a different person. Right, look different. Looks and, different. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and speaks maybe differently. His voice is different. Yeah. But the substance of what he comes with is exactly the same. And that's what we have in this Dao, and that's what I came with. Yes. I came declaring and saying that I am the Qa'im of the family of Muhammad, even though they were expecting that it be Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Askari and even though they expected it, other people expected it to be Ahmed al-Hassan and even though we have now the Shia broken down into three groups, just like they were in the time of, uh, of Salah, and we have a group that is still waiting on Muhammad ibn Hassan and a group that thinks that Ahmed ibn Hassan is the Qa'im. I'm saying that I am the Qa'im. And what I come with is the same of that which Ahmed ibn Hassan came with and every Imam and Prophet and Messenger came before. Ahmed ibn Hassan, he came with the banner that was written on it, Al-Bayalillah, a white banner with green writing that says on it, there's a primacy is to Allah. And I have come carrying the black banner, which is actually prophesied in the narrations uh, that the Qa'im, the Mahdi, will come with a banner that's raised, that's black, that's written in the Al-Bayalillah. Yes. I came forward exactly like Ahmed Hassan, confirming him and his name in the will as Ahmed and declaring that my name is Abdullah, and it is also in the will, and he sent me as well. Yes. I came forward with the knowledge that he came with, and confirming his knowledge and bringing forward other knowledge that nobody has been able to argue against the same proofs of the da'wah of Ahmed Hassan and the da'wah of the imams from the family of Muhammad Salam. I also came with, and here I am declaring to the people that I am Saleh. Wow.
Wow. Thank you, Mr. Swamps. I I think the matter is extremely clear, and I think that that obviously it's no, uh, you know, it, it's not by accident that that this narration, uh, these, uh, sorry, that this uh, story about Prophet Saleh was uh, recorded, and that it that it was explicitly stated that it is something that is going to be repeated in the time of the Qaim. So it is obviously a story that we have to look deeply into and to fully understand uh, the meaning of it and the significance of it. And I think that it's clear that. That that it has been fulfilled. Uh, that it that it has uh, you know um, that it has come back in this time. That you that you uh, the way that you have explained uh, the parallels between your relationship to Ahmed Al Hassan and to Muhammad Al Hassan Al Askari uh, is is very clear. It's very clear that uh, that it has been fulfilled in you. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, this was such a fascinating topic. Thank you so much for everything that you've taught me today. God bless you.